finest of good days, Captain Arkham. Get over that tunnel and keep toot, will you? Kittens, and welcome to another episode of... What was that? No, no, it's all right, my boy. It was, it was just a branch waving about in the breeze. Discontent Provider, the podcast that is, it's fair to say, a little on edge this week. Yes, I fear so. Even here, in our sacred, inviolable, happy place, our nerves are taut as banjo wires. Which is bad in any event, because it always reminds me that I've never learnt to play the banjo, and yet I've always wanted to. Uh, And we're twitchy, nervous, and, uh, well, jumping at shadows like nobody's business, quite frankly. Of course, the parlous state of the world is one that gives pretty much all right-thinking people the pip, the heebie-jeebies, and the screaming abdabs to some extent most of the time, but uh, in the normal run of things, one gets so used to low-key generalised anxiety that it's little more than a bothersome background noise. A, a, a distant, unattended car alarm, say, or the muted mumble and thumps of the neighbours spicing things up with a little Logan's Run-themed love play and getting key quotes wrong. Yet sometimes this uh, this sort of immunity fails a body and uh, each day becomes a shivering, sweat-drenched ordeal of unbearable terror as one knows that something every bit as implacable and ghastly as Nihilathotep, the crawling chaos, is in the offing, but there's not a dashed thing to be done about it. I refer, of course, to the seemingly unending saga of pettiness, victimhood and spite that is the story of Nigel Farage and Coots Bank. Yes, that again, cats and kittens. Three weeks running it's cropped up now, if memory serves. Who would have thought that a man whose only proven gift is uh, one of relentless and obsessive to the point of pathology uh, self-promotion would have been able to keep this first-worldist of first-world problems in the public eye for so long? The bastard has, though. Each day, one thinks, ah, well... That's got to be the end of it now, eh, what? Yet each new dawn brings another accusation, another froth-mouthed fuck-stump leaping aboard the Faragian bandwagon, and yet more twists and turns in a tale that is, at bottom, one about an absurd posturing caricature of fringe political activism getting into the most fearful bait because a snooty private bank don't fancy having him on their books anymore. It's, it's like one of those horror or thriller movies where the, the goodies keep thinking that they've finally put paid to the baddie, only to find that they're still up and doing and ready to take another whack at them. Much like Rasputin, this story has been poisoned, stabbed and shot, and yet just keeps getting up and shuffling towards us with the enervated immortality of a George A. Romero zombie. Uh, admittedly a George A. Romero zombie that uh, looks for all the world like the result of an ill-advised coupling twixt one of P.G. Woodhouse's nastier characters, Roderick Spode maybe, or Oofy Prosser, uh, and a singularly unattractive and morally bankrupt toad. So it is then that we're a little jumpy, because one just doesn't know where, or indeed if, one can be safe from yet another chapter in this dullest yet noisiest stories of 2023. Still, with Arkham guarding one of the approaches and myself squinting with as much fixed intensity as I can manage on the other, let's see if we can't cobble together something like a podcast for you, shall we? I will say one thing for Nigel's misadventures, mind you. They do give a commentator a perfect jumping-off point for an undertaking like this. 
One of the toughest parts of topical podcasting, uh, aside from trying to uh, get onto the Apple Podcasts app, I've, I've given up, frankly. Fuck those uh, weird techno-cult freaks. Uh, is segueing neatly from the introductory waffle to the maggoty meat of current events. But now, by invoking Monsieur F, one can turn on the proverbial sixpence. It's simply a matter of saying something along the lines of, and speaking of sleazy disingenuous chances, or, alternatively, but of course, not everybody in the news this week is a shabby ethically threadbare attention whore. So, in the words of Alex Delarge, what's it going to be, eh? Well, a bit of both as it goes, podcast pals. Firstly, let's look at a cove who has, in sharp contradistinction to the erstwhile UKIP kahuna, actually suffered a genuine and serious injustice. One, moreover, far worse than receiving fewer votes at a parliamentary election than a cat dressed as a dolphin. Although one imagines that a dolphin dressed as a cat would have done just as well. Uh, this week saw the long overdue exoneration of one Mr. Andrew Malkinson, a chap who has served 17 years, 17 years of a life sentence for a crime he didn't commit. Mr. Malkinson was arrested, or kidnapped by the state, to use his phrase, tried and convicted uh, of the rape of a woman in Manchester almost 20 years ago. Following seven years in prison, he was eligible for release on the condition that he admitted guilt and entered a rehabilitation scheme for sex offenders and other violent criminals. Mr. Malkinson refused this generous offer and maintained his innocence. He applied twice for an appeal, but on both occasions, the uh, Criminal Cases Review Commission rejected his application, despite, as you've all doubtless heard, even a casual glance at the case against him showing it to be, well, pretty dashed shaky all in all. Uh, despite having po uh, positively identified, uh, yeah, sorry, despite being positively identified by the victim in a lineup. Mr. M bore no relation uh, to the uh, description she gave of her attacker. Uh, there was no DNA victim that connected him to the crime, which ought to give those who cite the infallibility of DNA evidence as a strong argument for the return of the death penalty, a certain measure of pause, a what? Uh, and at least one of the eyewitnesses that uh, placed him at the scene was highly questionable. There was a, a lot of other stuff, but I'm not going to go through it all like Poirot summing up at the end of an episode. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've heard it all yourself. Uh, if you have heard any of Mr. Malkinson's statements or interviews over the past few days, you'll probably be wondering why it took so long and a team of lawyers funded and assisted by a legal charity to unearth the fact that uh, there was DNA evidence of another bloke, uh, which for some reasons, known only to those familiar with the arcana of police procedure, the Greater Manchester Police, a body that were placed in special measures by uh, Her Majesty's Inspectorate of Constabulary, Fire and Rescue Services for a couple of years, back in 2020, uh, decided not to present in the course of their investigations. Now, as Mr Malkinson was only visiting the area briefly at the time of the crime, as I understand it, and spent most of his time living in the Netherlands, it's unlikely that he was viewed by the GMP as a dyed-in-the-wool villain or wrong'un that they could justifiably fit up on the grounds that his uh, removal from the streets might, on some vigilante level, be for the greater good of the public. So why was the ball dropped so hideously here? Lazy officers looking for a quick win and then being reluctant to look like a bunch of right Charlies when fresh evidence came to light? I wouldn't like to say, in all honesty. It's possible, though. 
as are a number of other explanations, none of which redound particularly to the credit of the boys in blue. Uh, perhaps an inquiry or investigation will unearth the truth behind it all uh, at some point, uh, but that isn't really what I'm uh, focusing on today. Uh, what really interests me, at least in the context of other cases that we've been discussing, uh, is, is the uh, question of character and courage. Uh, metaphysics isn't really old Foxy's bag, so I'm unsure how to quantify spiritual aspects, but it must have taken at least a couple of metric fucktons of courage to refuse an early release from the clink. I fancy. Mr M puts it down to a reluctance to participate in group sessions with rapists, paedophiles and murderers on the grounds that he would have felt incredibly uncomfortable fabricating details of his quote crime unquote in order to fulfil the uh, requirements of a rehabilitation course. But uh, I don't know, I think many of people in that position might well have made up any old pony if it saved them ten years on the inside. Uh, even if it meant that they would be forever labelled as a sex criminal and received their own page in the I Spy book of murdery nonces. Being both a fearful coward and a born raconteur, I dare say I could, and sadly would, hold an audience of lags and probationary service shrinks spellbound. Well, maybe not. Perhaps I would, like Mr Malkinson, fight tooth and nail to preserve my good name with every fibre of an increasingly knackered being. Uh, but the point is, I didn't actually have to. I don't have to make that choice. And hopefully none of you cats and kittens will ever have to either. Andrew Malkinson did, though. And he took the harder, almost unendurable option. And if that's not what those champions of masculinity currently railing against the Barbie film don't call grit, I'll be fucked sideways with a power sander. Uh, also impressive, though perhaps not as much, uh, are those who took up the case, uh, the lawyers and the workers for the appeal charity. As, as, as somebody's dabbled in both the outer fringes of the bottom end of the acoustic anti-folk music food chain and podcasting, I know what it is to be seen uh, as part of a widely scorned group. But even the likes of me know that we're held in less contempt than convicted rapists. So to fight for a chap identified as one, to risk enduring endless abuse and to be uh, accused of being a, a rape enabler or what have you, also takes an extraordinary amount of uh, courage, fortitude and dedication to the principles of truth and justice. Yeah, Andy Malkinson's story is a truly horrid one. If anything good or salutary lies within it, it is the strength and decency that can still exist within the, within the human spirit, even in these debased times. Unfortunately, on the other end of the spectrum, we have another court case presented to us. Uh, this one comes from across the pond and involves the son of the US President, uh, Robert Hunter Biden. Now, old Biden Jr., brought so memorably to the laptop screen by British acting legend Lawrence Fox in the Breitbart-produced film My Son Hunter, uh, was set to have a plea deal arranged in a federal court uh, this week that would see him plead guilty, I believe, to two misdemeanor charges of non-payment of income tax and enter a, a diversion programme, which I think is something like traffic school or one of those anger management courses they run, uh, only in this instance one for gun nuts, uh, in order not to have to face a, a felony charge of illegal possession of a firearm. 
The latter, perhaps surprisingly, still being an offence that does exist in the land of the free. No doubt a veritable Sirocco of dust had to be dislodged from a law book to find that one, eh what? Uh, in return for this, young Biden was hoping to avoid a jail sentence for the uh, gun charge, which uh, could rage, I believe, from five to ten years, and see the end of a lengthy probe into his financial and business affairs. Uh, the judge, however, was hesitant about rubber-stamping this deal uh, on the grounds that uh, it would be given under the misapprehension of protection against subsequent in, uh, investigations that might not be happening, uh, and has delayed it. Uh, which caused a frantic courtroom kerfuffle to ensue and Joe's dear boy to enter a not guilty plea to the firearms charge. Now, obviously, stories about Biden a pair being up to their necks in all manner of shady doings have been circulated for years, uh, many promulgated by Republican-leading media with the same gleeful vim as tales of Trumpian Ranigazoo have been unleashed by the more liberal uh, media outlets. Now, personally... And speaking wholly as an outsider uh, to the American political scene, I should be vastly surprised if anyone in the higher strata of the financial or government domains don't have some pretty gruesome filth under their fingernails. And that goes double for those whose dealings straddle both worlds. Loath though I am to agree with those whose knee-jerk reaction to a Democrat president's son in Stuck is to say, well, of course, they're going easy on him. He's the president's son. It's terribly hard to see how that isn't the case, just as it would be, of course, if it were Donald Trump Jr. in the dock. But it's not even that that really caught in my gullet, craw and other way stations in the dear old digestive tract. Rather, it's what looks like the sheer, weaselly entitlement and pitiful whining bitchery of the accused. Bilking the public purse out of millions of dollars when one is hardly scrabbling in the gutters for cigarette ends and bread crusts is simply not a good look. Neither is telling the gun registration bods that you're not a drug user when you're ripped to the tits, fucked out of your gourd or tripping balls. Uh, given that if the Democratic Party stands for anything, no more certain than is the case for any established power block, let's face it, uh, it's supposed to be fairly big on the... On, on the idea of the wealthy paying at least some tax and doing what it can to uh, foster a more restrained and responsible attitude to gun ownership. HB's actions then display, if nothing else, a selfishness or an indifference to the damage they could do to his po father's political career. And whilst one shouldn't be expected to blindly follow one's painter's line politically, I, for example, am not a massive racist, uh, surely the bloke must have been aware that there were any number of people just aching to catch him at something so damaging to his dear old dad politically, and would, more to the point, be digging, it, uh, digging for it avidly pretty much round the clock. So either he is a certifiable cretting, or, in the simple homespun argo of our colonial cousins, a goddamn asshole. So there it is. Three dollops of nastiness serves up for our delectation. One featuring immense personal integrity and determination. And the other two presenting what have all the appearances of being a pair of shameless chances with nothing much to worry about in comparison. Enmeshed loudly and self-righteously in a slurry of their own devising. Expecting us to feel sorry for them. You know... It might not be a detailed panoramic portrait of humanity in all its squalor and splendour, cats and kittens, but it'd do for a snapshot at a pinch, wouldn't it? 
particularly if the Greater Manchester Police were using it to identify a rape suspect. And with that, I feel we've about done our dash for another week, so it's time for Arkham and myself to go home, particularly as I'm yeah, I'm almost certain that I heard a fresh allegation about the hedge fund that owns GB News shorting uh, NatWest uh, hiding in the bushes, waiting to pounce out at us like Jason Voorhees. So until we meet again, please carry on liking, subscribing and bigging up Discontent Provider every chance you get. And if you were to lavish a few decent reviews on us at the podcast places, well, that would be tip-top podcast pals. Very tip-top indeed. Please remember that all opinions expressed herein are simply the views of an ageing heart blower and should be used for entertainment purposes only, and that facts and quotes have been checked to the best of my poor abilities. There will, but of course, be a song at the end, so hang about for that, eh? And from myself, the Silver Fox, and Arkham, the Black and White Dog, a nervous, haunted and hunted Cheerio! comes to trouble, son, I'm a goddamn connoisseur. I'm an agitator, I'm a miscreant, I'm a high-tone provocateur. I put the cat among the pigeons and I've watched the fur and feathers fly. I'm the terror of the establishment, I'm the far-right blue-eyed boy. I poke the bear cause I just don't care, to me this country's just a toy. Spouting specious views on the evening news Just to make the liberals cry I'm quick to play the victim When it all bites me on the ass I'm quick to react I get people sacked Cause I won't bank with the working class No, I won't bank with the working class With my car slightly more functions I streamed assassination plot Join my party, fund my campaign, give me whatever you've got. Every time a scandal comes to light, you dumb fucks love me just a little bit more. Coke and hookers, guns and coke, and some more coke just in case. I'm a lawyer, lobbyist, and businessman, even when I'm out of my face. I'm a troubled presidential son, so I'll do just what I please. Everybody's talking about my laptop, but that's pure shit for sure. Whatever it is you think I've done, bet your ass I've done much more. I might have made it rain in the Ukraine, but I didn't pay a dime in tax. When the feds came calling, I whined like a little bitch. I shrieked, woe is me, and I copped a plea, cause that's how it works when you're rich. Yeah, that's how it works when you're rich. Whatever happens, I'll be fine. I'm a multi-millionaire. Send a bill to daddy at the White House. He settle it so I don't care. I'm just another victim of the war on drugs. Just wait till Oprah hears me cry.
he doing? His life's in ruins, he's homeless, broke and lost. He's no big name PEP who causes trouble without paying the cost. Just an ordinary guy trying to get by until something went badly wrong. He's seen trouble close at hand and he damn well didn't deserve it. The GMP arrested him and called him a violent pervert. 17 years in joke because the cops fucked up or were lazy and bent. He could have been out a decade ago but he wanted to clear his name. He might not think he's a hero but he's a hero just the same. Yes, he's a hero just the same. He don't have a GoFundMe page, but we'd all chip in if he did. Cause he's a real victim, not some spear or rich entitled kid. Harajan, Biden, go fuck yourself because your troubles don't mean shit.